other side of midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. I am betting even some of you who follow local politics pretty well don't know who Assemblyman Daniel O'Donnell is. Well, for starters, he happens to be Rosie O'Donnell's brother. He's openly gay. He was one of the early openly gay members of the New York State Legislature. And he's a Democrat representing Manhattan. Well, a couple of months ago, O'Donnell had come under fire after he was seen on video telling fellow Assembly member Catalina Cruz to grow a pair after a contentious meeting of the Assembly's Code Committee in May. Well, now O'Donnell will have to be retrained on the Assembly's policy prohibiting harassment, discrimination, and retaliation, and what conduct constitutes a violation thereof. Give me a break. I mean, look, should he have used that kind of language when speaking to a woman or a colleague? No, but let's face it, in the workplace, when things get heated, sometimes you use language that you shouldn't use. And for O'Donnell to have to go for retraining like he's a wayward pup who needs to learn some new tricks, it's just silly. So O'Donnell violated the chamber's rules by engaging in a conversation during a session. Shocking, I know, heated conversations in politics. What an absurd idea. Don't get me wrong, rules are rules and we should all play by them. But sending a seasoned assemblyman for a timeout and making him undergo some sort of political etiquette boot camp, it feels a tad over the top, doesn't it? Picture this. A bunch of politicians in a room practicing polite nods and perfecting their serious listening faces. In the grand scheme of political mishaps, this feels like catching a minnow in the ocean. I mean, we've seen bigger fish to fry, right? Maybe we should save the retraining for, oh, I don't know, those who attempt to filibuster with knock jokes or propose bills written in emoji language. Let's keep it real. We're all human and sometimes we accidentally chat or use words we shouldn't when we're not supposed to. It's like scolding a kid for sharing candy at recess. We should encourage camaraderie, not reprimand it. So here's a suggestion for the assembly. How about some friendly reminders on session etiquette instead of making headlines with a political timeout? Let's save the dramatics for the real show, the political debates. In the meantime, let's hope Assemblyman O'Donnell masters the art of strategic nodding and discreet note passing. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm superstar Frank Morano. We've been talking a little bit about the indictment of uh, former New York City Buildings Commissioner and former Republican Council Member from Queens, Eric Ulrich. Now, I've known Eric Ulrich a long time, over a decade, and uh, I always liked him. And I question some of the decisions he made politically, but I question a lot of the decisions that people make politically. So I'm going to withhold judgment on his guilt or innocence 
presence until this case is adjudicated. However, there is a tremendous black eye in terms of the mayor's vetting of Ulrich for such a prominent role in his administration. Eric Ulrich, the former senior advisor to the mayor and then his top buildings commissioner, he's charged with pocketing $150,000 in bribes. And now, according to the city, the newspaper, the city, we learn he did not complete his required background forms until nine months after he began working for the mayor. The forms were eventually completed in September of 2022. As a result, Ulrich's background check was still underway last November when he resigned as commissioner of the Department of Buildings after word surfaced that he'd been questioned by the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, in a corruption investigation. Ulrich was finally indicted last week, and prosecutors alleged that Ulrich was showered with cash by several people who hoped to win favorable treatment from City Hall. The next day, a DOI spokesperson revealed the delay in Ulrich's filings after the city inquired. What Ulrich claimed in the documents that he eventually filed is unknown, but some of the items on DOI's standard financial disclosure questionnaire go to the heart of these sort of pay-to-play transactions that are outlined in lurid detail in the indictments. Question number 33, for instance, asks the applicant to, quote, list any financial arrangements that may present a potential conflict of interest with your city employment. And this is far from the only instance where the mayor, people in his administration, people close to him, seem to be a little too cozy bending and breaking the rules. I'd like to know how many other commissioners in Adams' administration have not completely filled out this required background check, this required disclosure form. I'd like to know how many other senior advisors, all of whom are being paid very generous six-figure salaries, how many of them have not completed their background check because they can't be bothered to submit the form. That's required, by the way. Why are these people still working? This is really damning on the mayor's part, as far as I can tell. Beam me up! To be continued. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. One of Cindy Adams' favorite phrases is, only in New York, kids, only in New York. Well, this might be a case of only in Buffalo, New York, kids, only in Buffalo, New York. 
In 2016, a city employee in Buffalo, her name was uh, Jill Parisi. Now she goes by Jill Repman. I guess she's been married. A city employee in Buffalo was placed on administrative leave after being accused of padding her checks. But then no one seemed to follow up. So she's been collecting paychecks for the last seven and a half years. And for six of those years... She's had another job. She hasn't even bothered to show up. Not surprisingly, some people are pretty upset about this. Here's Buffalo Common Council member Mitch Nowakowski. It's gravely uh, concerning and really maddening. I mean, this is an erosion of public trust from entities that are charged to be stewards of city taxpayer dollars. And a large part of it is the fact of seven and a half years. And unions, whether they're in state or local governments, oftentimes when someone is put on administrative leave, this the, the matter is usually arbitrated or charges are brought up against, and it's usually resolved in a timely manner. There's nothing timely about seven and a half years. So the allegation against her was never resolved. She's been working at a private sector job while continuing to collect a check from the taxpayers. She's made about a half million dollars over the course of the last seven years. This is crazy. How does no one check? This is, as Nowakowski said, totally maddening. Well, if you have a no-show job or even just a regular job, I am asking for your help. I am trying to raise some money this week for our final home stretch for fundraising for the upcoming Tunnel to Towers run walk if you want to help raise some money for the tunnel to towers foundation and help the families of fallen servicemen help the families of police officers i need your help go to wabcradio.com slash frank walk and please make a donation if it's five dollars if it's ten dollars if it's twenty dollars i'll be appreciative because you're helping a great cause wabcradio.com slash frank walk beam me up to be continued the other side of midnight. Local spotlight. We've been covering this travesty in New Jersey where veteran homes absolutely failed the veterans that were there and trusting that they would be treated properly. Last week's Justice Department report on New Jersey state-run veterans homes did more than confirm claims of poor care and mismanagement in the COVID pandemic, which we've been telling you about. It also debunked the Murphy administration's explanation for one of its earliest policies at the home, banning face coverings and punishing staffers who masked up. Now think about that. The very same entities that were pushing masks, they didn't just not require masks. They had an outright ban on masks. But now there is a big mystery that has emerged, which is where did that mask insubordination policy come from? Think about that. If you were a staffer at one of these veterans homes and you wore a mask, you would be punished and disciplined. And we have no idea where this came from. Tucked into a subsection of the report, focusing on low morale and staff mistrust at the homes, the Justice Department makes clear that the no-mask policy for employees in and of itself was counter to public health guidance in March of 2020 and out of step with outside health care providers. But Governor Phil Murphy's office took it further, saying at the time it would discipline employees 
who wore masks. The policy didn't last long, but it contributed to the overall failures by the state to keep residents of the nursing homes safe. Who greenlit this policy? Who came up with it? The governor's office needs to start doing what they have not been doing since this scandal came to light. And they need to start being honest with the public and transparent and tell us everything they know about what went down during these early days of the COVID lockdown with the state-run veterans' homes. I think people are going to be very understanding of mistakes as long as you're not attempting to lie and obfuscate and cover up those mistakes. Let's find out who gave the order. Beam me up. To be continued.